Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Hey, Chuck Bryant. Hey, Josh Clark. It's a beautiful day here at House Stuff Works, huh? It is. I have a question for you, Chuck. Yes. Have you ever been half asleep and have you heard voices, Chuck? Uh, Josh, I've heard them calling my name. Is that the sweet sound that calls a young sailor? <laughs> oh, I can't remember the next line. It might be one in the same. Okay. I think it is one in the same, yes. Clearly, we are speaking of none other than top 25 hit Academy Award nominated song, Rainbow Connection. Yeah. Uh, as performed by a certain philosophizing frog. Yes. In a swamp at the beginning of the Muppet movie, huh? Yep. We're going to be talking about how the Muppets work today. I know. Josh is like rocking in his chair right now. He's so excited. I love the Muppets. Who doesn't love the Muppets? Everybody. You show me someone that doesn't love the Muppets and, you know, they've got a butt kicking coming to them. Yeah. Via me. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck's the Muppet enforcer. I am. Muppet love enforcer. Yes. Um, I think we should probably give a disclaimer, Chuck. If anybody is really attached to illusion and doesn't really want to know like the nitty-gritty details of how Muppets are made and, sure. and uh, moved about, right. they should probably not listen to this one. Right. People that don't even want to acknowledge that they are puppets. Yeah. The lovers, the dreamers. And me. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, Chuck, let's start at the beginning. Let's yes. start back in 1955. Got to start with Jim Henson. Yeah. Well, yeah. There are no Muppets without Jim Henson. It even says place. it right there in the article, How it Muppets does. Work, which uh-huh. you can find on HowStuffWorks.com, right? Right. Uh, Washington, D.C. has a local TV station. Uh-huh. And uh, in, I think, the winter of 1955, um, a young college freshman, Jim Henson. 1955, dude. I know. People probably had no idea that this went back that far. No, this guy was starting something huge at mm-hmm. this time, right? I mean, it's puppets. Like, yep. uh, puppets were relegated to, what, children's birthday parties, stuff like that. This guy's bringing them right. on the TV. Exactly, huge. And what 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 was kind of surprising is that this show, Sam and Friends, right? That was his first show. Mm-hmm. The one on the local Washington, D.C. Uh, television station right. was for adults. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, I believe there was some satire involved, correct? A Ted. Political satire, parody. Uh, they parodied other television shows. Mm-hmm. And it ran for six years and got him on the Ed Sullivan Show, The Tonight Show. Yeah, and actually this is where um, a little lizard-like creature who came to be known as Kermit debuted. Should I do it? Yeah. Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> that is wonderful. Not bad, huh? Chuck revealed uh, before the... the um, I guess the real, the real that's run by a hamster started rolling. Um, <laughs> that uh, he started with Kermit. That was your first voice. First voice. What else do you got? Oh, my voices are mediocre at best, but I still like doing them. I got to tell you, you nail Kermit. But I've been doing Kermit since I was like six. Right, Kermy. Yeah. Well, you you got him. I'm trying to get a yay out of Chuck. But yeah, I can't do the yay. Yeah. I have a limited range. Well, Kermit, lizard-like Kermit, as we'll call him. Um, it, it was joined by some other. Uh, wonderfully named puppets that weren't quite called Muppets yet. These are still right. puppets in Henson's mind. Uh-huh. Uh, you had uh, Sam, Yorick, Harry the Hipster, one of my favorites. Right. Uh, Professor Magcliffe. I'm surprised it wasn't a hippie Rob. 
No hippie Rob <laughs> yet. Give it another decade. Right. Uh, Mushmelon and Chicken Liver were yes. part of the uh, regular cast. Right. And basically, it was Henson and uh, a classmate of his um, named Jane Nabel. Yes. Who later became Jane Henson. Yep. They uh, met up, and she kind of assisted him early on. They fell in love, dated, fell in love. And uh, she was actually replaced when uh, they got married and had kids. By one Frank Oz. Frank, a 19-year-old Frank Oz. And he was originally um, hired just to be the right hand, literally, of Rolf the dog. Right. They call that technique right-handing. We'll get into that. Which we'll get into. Uh, and Rolf, actually, fun fact, Rolf the dog with the big floppy ears, uh, who's performed with the likes of Liberace, yeah. among others, uh-huh. was actually created specifically to sell Purina dog food. Yeah. After he did Sam and Friends, he produced TV commercials for a while with the uh, early Muppets. Mm-hmm. A bunch of them. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, clearly, we've, we've transitioned into the era where there were Muppets, we went from Sam and Friends, and, and now um, Muppets are starting to come about. Right. Rolf. Kermit's now a frog. He's uh-huh. made that sexual transition from lizard to frog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that rite of passage that every lizard has <laughs> right. to go through. Um, and uh, there's still no TV show. We're in the 60s, and everyone's getting to be aware of the, the Muppets. Chuck, like you said, uh, they were on the Ed Sullivan show, the Jimmy Dean show, uh-huh. which... You should have been in the green room for that one. Sausage everywhere. I'm sure. Um, he did create some pilots, but they never took. No one ever uh, bought them up. No, and he got really close with ABC, but they yeah. walked on a deal. Right. Um, what really kind of catapulted him into uh, a, a possible TV deal was the formation of a kid's show called Sesame Street. Yep, the Children's Television Network, started by uh, Joan Cooney in 1968. Right, and Jim Henson always kind of thought of his puppets and the Muppets as... Um, uh, for adults, like right. this is adult stuff. Like Oddly. even even today, there's um, Puppet Up, uh-huh. uh, uncensored. It's a it, live improv Muppet puppet for, show for adults. That's only. carried on by his son Brian, uh-huh. and that's very much in the tradition of Jim Henson's original idea, which is these are puppets, but they're for adults. Like there's just that kind of ironic twist that these puppets are cursing, you know? Right. But apparently, somewhere along the way, he came to figure out that. Um, Children could be a very sophisticated audience, right. was a quote in the article. Absolutely. So yeah. he went Pretty along cool. with Sesame Street, right? Yeah, and that's really where it blew up. Um, everyone who uh, grew up in the United States and probably elsewhere watched Sesame Street as a kid, and may still. And that's where we were introduced to uh, Oscar the Grouch and sure. Big Bird and uh, Bert and Ernie, Cookie Monster. Doesn't get any more classic than that. No. Uh, Grover's my favorite Sesame Street Grover? character. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I did a little video one time with a, a Grover finger puppet. Did you? This is back in like the old VHS days where you could edit. Like I literally had to edit it all in camera as I shot it. Gotcha. And I used like a Ween song and a Grover finger puppet. No, he's pretty fun. Does this have nothing to do with karate, Chuck? No, no, no. These, these are just my early filmmaking days. Gotcha. It's fun. So, uh, okay, so Sesame Street takes off and it's still going today. I mean, this has got to be one of the longest running television shows of all time. Yeah. I think 60 Minutes has a beat. Maybe General Hospital. Sure. You know General Hospital's been on since the mid-50s? Oh, who cares? 
Yeah, but dude, that's a really long time for a single television show to run. That's a lot of crap. <laughs> it is. They just shovel it on, don't they? Jim? Yeah, back to the goodness of the Muppets, though. So he's almost there. He's so close. He's been shooting pilots. None of them are getting taken up. ABC's walked. Um, and a little show called Saturday Night Live starts up in 1975. Yeah, I did not know this until I read this article. I didn't either, Chuck, And I'm a big I'm SNL fan. I'm trying to sound like I did know this already. Oh, okay. Um, the, the first season included sketches um, called The Land of Gorch. Yes, which were larger Muppets. Uh-huh. And the SNL writer said, we're not writing for puppets. Yeah, in fact, I think uh, their head writer is famously quoted as saying, I don't write for felt. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of... Who uh, was that? Al Franken? Uh, no, it wasn't Al Franken. I can't remember his name. but uh, Senator yeah. Al Franken? Senator Al Franken. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, so that was very short-lived. Finally, Henson strikes a deal with um, ITC, uh-huh. and they start shooting... The Muppet Show in London. Yeah. And syndicating it out to CBS. And well, this is uh, 1976. Yeah. The pilot, though, I thought was interesting, I should mention, was the name of the pilot was called Sex and Violence. They actually, um, I was watching it earlier, and um, one of the Muppets comes out, not one I could identify by sight, uh, comes out and there's this huge thing carved out of stone. It says Sex and Violence. And uh, it, the announcer says, and now the end of Sex and Violence on TV in the Muppet presses a, a dynamite plunger and blows up sex and violence, and then the Muppet nice. Show theme starts. Well, there you have it. Yeah. That makes sense then. Yeah. I thought it was just one of those ironic names or something. I don't think so. Like Jim Henson was trying to be ironically funny. I think he was still, but... Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. The end of sex and violence. So, yeah, the Muppet Show was born, and uh, the rest is history. The end. The end. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Chuck, what was your favorite uh, Muppet? Pigs in Space. Nice. That was good. How did you get your voice to do that? It's just, anytime you say those three words together, that happens. Well, let me try. You should try it at home. It's insane. Huh, I can that was do good. it, too. That's or the judges. Cool. The well, two old guys in the balcony? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, what was it? Statler and Waldorf. Statler and Waldorf. Those guys were excellent. And Jim Henson actually voiced Waldorf. I guess we should talk about who the creator actually voiced okay. specifically. He, right. uh, he did Obviously, he did Kermit the Frog. He did Rolf the Dog. He did Waldorf. Uh, he did Dr. Teeth of Electric Mayhem. The Electric Mayhem, which yeah. was the the the, hip, the hippie band. Yeah, and I think Dr. Teeth was probably modeled after Dr. John. That's a guess, but probably, I think so. Yeah, he ha- he had that kind of New Orleans accent, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Link Hogthrob of um, Pigs in Space. Of what? Pigs in Space. Excellent. <laughs> and he did the Ernie half of Burton Ernie. Yeah, who I have to say, Ernie's one of my favorite characters. I know he's Sesame Street, but he's one of my favorite Muppets. Sure. Um, I kind of go for the really sweet, kind-hearted ones. Really? Ernie, Fozzie. Yeah. Uh, Bunsen. Which one was Bunsen? The little professor, the little affable professor with Beaker. The oh, yeah. Beaker. Love them. Have you seen Beaker doing uh, Ode to Joy? No. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's on YouTube. Really? Uh, type in uh, Meep and Ode to Joy, and it'll come up. Meep? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> to check that meep, out. meep, 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 meep. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And, of course, the chef. The, the chef who... The uh, Swedish chef who actually has the distinction of being the only Muppet with live human hands, unexposed right. or uh, uncovered by gloves or anything like that. And yeah. I, I was watching a clip of the Swedish chef. And you can very easily see why they did that. He has to put, like, dashes of things in and pinches sure. and stuff in. So he actually has, I believe, Frank Oz's hands. Yeah. 
Uh, and then that's cool. Jim Henson doing his head. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about the Muppeteering in a minute too because it gets pretty intense. So I get ahead of myself sometimes. I know it's just exciting. Uh, and then Frank Oz, of course, which was the other half, and and I think the quote in the article, which I thought was cool, was Jim Henson said that Frank Oz was probably the person most responsible for the Muppets being funny. Right. Frank Oz is a very funny guy. He is. He also did. Uh, he also puppeted and voiced Yoda. Well, in all of the Star Wars. Oh, you knew that, did you? Yeah, I think everyone knew that Frank Oz did Yoda. Uh, and um, he did uh, Rolf the dog. Uh, I'm sorry, he right-handed Rolf the dog. Jim did the voice. That's, remember, that's what he was hired for at age 19. That's right. Uh, he did Bert, the Bert half. He did Grover, your favorite. Uh, Cookie Monster, Animal. Who doesn't love Animal? I love Animal. A lot of screaming with that one. Yeah. Uh, Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear, of course. Yeah. Two, two of the iconic characters. Yeah. And, you know, Frank went on to direct movies. I mean, he worked with Henson for like 30 years. Yeah. And then directed movies. He directed uh, What About Bob and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and Which, some other classics. I'm going to tell you, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is one of the greatest yeah. movies ever made. And he's acted, too. He was in uh, The Blues Brothers briefly. Who, oh, was he the uh, the um, corrections officer who hands him back his prophylactic? Yes, he is. One and then prophylactic. Later used. on, he, re- he uh, <laughs> reprises that role sort of in Trading Places. He... Plays the officer checking out uh, Dan Aykroyd in prison in that uh, film as well. Gotcha. So he's a specialist. He plays officers giving prisoners their uh, the, the poor their guy stuff is back. typecast. Yeah, poor Frank Oz. Yeah. So Chuck, you want to get into um, a little behind the scenes stuff? Yeah. Why not? We might as well. Um, well, let's start with how a Muppet is made. Yeah, Josh. Uh, the Muppets were created only by uh, Jim Henson. He did all the original sketches and he built some of the original Muppets when he was still kind of a small shop. Yeah, but he figured out pretty quick that he had too many in his head, and he needed too many yes. uh, to just do it himself. Right? So, yeah, he started out um, using some materials like paper mache uh, That didn't work out because it was too hard. And then he tried um, different kinds of uh, foam. I think he used foam rubber, but found that that deteriorated. Yeah, so he used uh, reticulated polyfoam, yeah. which is, I, I imagine, very much like foam rubber. But sure. Uh, a little more durable. Right, and I think it's more flexible because that, that gave him the opportunity, if you uh, stick your hand in Kermit's head to operate the puppet, to move your knuckles around mm-hmm. and like he would raise an eyebrow and it would give him a little more uh, right. feature to his face. I, I Chuck, you know I love lore. I want to toss this one out. Kermit, Lizard Kermit? Yes. Pre-Great Transition Kermit? Sure. Uh, was actually made from, uh, his. the skin of Kermit was made from a fuzzy green coat. Yeah. That uh, Jim Henson's mother owned. Yeah. And his eyes were two halves of a, a toy, which I'm not familiar with. I wouldn't either. Wacky, uh, wacky stacks? Yeah, wacky stacks. I'd never Cut heard of that. Cut in half? Uh-huh. But yeah, they always kind of looked like ping pong balls with the little um, pupils drawn on. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and talk about that. The pupils? Yeah, that's a, they, they say that they do the eyes last when they're building Muppets because mm-hmm. it's the most important uh, part. And the pupils are actually very important. And this I didn't know either. Um, the bigger the pupil, the younger the Muppet. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah, and it really kind of makes sense. It gets the point across that they're kind of wide-eyed and yeah, innocent exactly. and unfamiliar with the horrors and evil of the world. Right. And it says they also tilt the pupils in slightly to give them more focus. Well, they move them closer together. Yeah. Because if they just put them you know, on these huge eyes where they should be in the middle, the right. Muppets would look like they had lazy eyes. Right. And the man responsible for this was uh, one of the first guys that uh, Jim Henson hired. His name was Don uh, Saline. Or yeah, Solin. Solin. Um, I, I get the impression that this guy was like the man behind the man yeah. in a lot of ways. Jim Henson was this very creative, artistic person, uh, and he knew what he was doing. But I think uh, Don Solin was the one who was like, okay, I'll make it work. 
Well, he was definitely the uh, a master, like a sewer, it sounds like. He came up with the Henson Stitch, which he very graciously um, named after Henson, the Henson Stitch, uh, which is, a, I, I, I guess, a method of sewing that right. hides the seam. Yeah. Because you don't want to... You don't want to see a seam right there. It's like, oh, no. man, I forgot that's a puppet. Exactly. And this uh, this is so chock full of things I never knew. I'm so glad we're doing this. Kermit the Frog actually has a stitch, a Henson stitch, going right up the center of his nose. And you would never know it because the Henson stitch and the little fuzzy felt kind of helps to hide it. Yeah, and the fuzzy felt actually um, is called Antron Fleece. That's the covering of Kermit and most of the other, you know, that, that kind of Muppet skin. Yeah. They actually call it Muppet Fleece, that, yeah. that fabric. Sort of like a, a worn tennis ball. Yeah, you know you've arrived when there's a type of uh, textile named after yeah. your creation. Or a stitch. Sure. Named after you. Yeah. Uh, so most Muppets, um, well, there's either two ways you can go about it. There's either the hand and rod method of operating or a live hand. Right. And we talked about the live hand, and that is when you literally stick your arm into the arm of the puppet, into a glove, or in the Swedish chef's case, a natural hand. Right, and there's actually two people operating it. You've, uh, well, let's start with the the hand and rod one, or okay. rod and hand. Yes. So most Muppeteers, Chuck, are right-handed, um, and so their their right hand would be inside the the Muppet, operating, operating the, the head, the face, that kind of yeah. thing. Their left hand would be holding the two rods that were attached to the Muppet's hand. Grover's an example of a hand and rod one. Right. Um, so the left hand would make the hands clap, that kind of thing. These two very thin dowels would uh-huh. just... You can move them with your fingers, right? Sure. So one person can operate it. Right. Uh, and actually, since they, the, um, most Muppeteers were right-handed and they were operating with their, uh, left hand, um, most Muppets are left-handed. Right. Since they were operating the hands with it. Yeah, another cool fact. Except there was one Muppeteer who was left-handed and all of her Muppets were right-handed. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Man, I'm learning so much. Uh, and then, um, occasionally, you know, Clearly, if one person's operating both hands, there's a limited amount of things they can do. That's where the right-handing comes in. If you need uh, specific movements done with both hands, then a second puppeteer comes in, operates only the right hand, which is what Frank Oz was hard to do in the case of uh, Ralph. Right. Um, Ernie's another example, too. Is he, is he right-handed? Yeah. So there's a there's one puppeteer who's there, two guys standing next to each other. Um, there's one guy who has his right hand... Uh, up as high as it can go. Sure. And he's operating the face. And then his left hand is up the arm of the Muppet. And then the other guy has his right hand up the Muppet's right hand. Right. There's two people operating these three parts. And they do a pretty good job. Yeah. But you really, you, you think about it and you just, you look at Ernie or something and you, you don't, it, you wouldn't think that there's two people operating them. I mean, no. It just sounds very cr- cramped and close. And, yeah, and it is. Yeah. I and mean, talk about Henson um, at the beginning of the Muppet movie when Kermit's on the log. Oh, yeah. Well, sure. When uh, the shots in the movies where you don't see a human, well, what? I guess let's backtrack a little. What they usually do in, um, was a technique that Henson uh, invented called platforming up. So they would build the actual... Muppet stage about eight, you know, six to eight feet off the ground, so the puppeteers could stand fully upright, so they don't have to bend over. Uh, sometimes when that wasn't possible, they built trenches for the for the Muppeteers to uh, get down in. And then for the movies, which is what you were talking about, for the scenes where like Kermit was uh, sitting on the log and, uh, and singing Rain- Rainbow Connection at mm-hmm. the opening of the film, Jim Henson was in a little capsule, cramped down, uh, underwater, underwater, sealed. Uh, 
with this thing all around. There's, there's, there's a CG, tube buddy. sticking up out of the water, probably disguised as a reed, yeah. that allowed him to breathe. Exactly. But they were showing off right out of the bat, They um, oh, yeah. right out of the gate. They did a 360 shot of Kermit on the log to show that... Right, no wires. Right. This is not a marionette. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I love that. And they, then they did scenes where they were like riding bicycles and... Uh, in some cases, I think they had to have multiple, uh, they called it Muppet switching, mm-hmm. where they had like a full body Muppet that they would occasionally have to use the marionette wires. Or they would have a little person in it. Or they would have a little person, or they would use a remote control, which came a little bit later. Um, also, this was my favorite, when they had a Muppet driving a car, yeah. the car was actually being driven. I know. So the Muppet would be in the front seat, uh, the, the Muppeteer would be crouched down in the back seat operating the Muppet. And then there would be a little person in the trunk driving the car with remote control. Looking at a video screen. Yeah, they're actually extremely sophisticated. What what they have to do, this is incredibly complex. Imagine having to build, like you have to know exactly what's going to happen in every scene. Right. Then you have to build the set to accommodate a human person and a Muppet and their Muppeteer. I know. So there may be several different levels. It sounds very dangerous. Yeah. And then as a Muppeteer as well, Chuck, um, they have, and they have had since the 70s, monitors strapped to their chest uh-huh. so they can see what the what their Muppet is right. doing, right? Which is but all backwards. It is backwards. So they have to know that if they are if they are looking at the screen and they want their Muppet to move left, they have to move right. Very complicated. I mean, I imagine that the wiring, the neural connections of these people's brains yeah. are very unusual. If you could slap them in sure. a wonder machine and take a look at them next to like one of ours, right. I'll bet you'd notice some real distinctions. Yeah, we should write an article on Muppeteers' brains. Mm-hmm. It'd be good. Uh, and you're dead on, man, because one of the Muppeteers, there's been about a hundred of them. One of them uh, named Dave Gull said, it takes maybe five years to do everything without thinking about it. In fact, I still find it difficult. And Frank Oz said, what you're doing is so complicated that you really don't have time to think about what you're doing. Uh, first, your body understands, and then your mind grasps what you're doing sometimes. Yeah. So, very complicated stuff. There's uh, there's one other kind of uh, Muppet. We've got hand and rod, uh, live hand or right hand Muppets. Yeah. And then there's full body Muppets, like uh, Big Bird. Sure. So, this is actually, you know, Big Bird's as tall as uh, he looks. Uh-huh. Um, what is he, like eight feet tall? He's pretty tall. So, there's a Muppeteer in there, probably a fairly tall Muppeteer. Yeah. On platform shoes. Five-inch shoes. Uh, standing up with uh, his right hand going up to Big Bird's mouth, and it's a it's a reach too. Yeah, I I can you imagine? Yeah, I'll bet they feel like Neil Pert all the time. Right. You know what? You should look on the on the article actually, and there's some really good um, excellent illustrations. Excellent illustrations. It shows like Big Bird with the person inside of it, and it is a stretch, man. That would get really really tiring, just physically exhausting. I would imagine. Yeah. So the right hand's up, the left hand's controlling the left hand, and then there's a wire connected to the left elbow right that's connecting big bird's right hand right or that's that's controlling big bird's right hand right which is why if you notice if you watch big bird when the right hand goes up the left hand goes down when the left hand goes down the right hand goes up because it's uh it's like a little pulley system right chuck we were we were talking about you know um muppeteers performing in trenches on the set or platforming up or uh, you know how difficult it is to create these sets uh and once you know what they're doing, you, you can see it pretty easily. Like I was watching a clip of uh, Steve Martin playing dueling banjos with some Muppets Classic. on the Muppet Show, right? Classic. And they're doing it, like I guess, in between performances because they're out in the theater seats. And Steve Martin doesn't move the whole time. So God knows how many like pits are on either side of him and right. how far he would fall if oh, he yeah. stepped one way or the other. And then some of the other Muppets are in the seats 
rows of seats behind him. Right. So this clearly provides a trench for the Muppeteers too. And once yeah. you once you kind of know how they did it, you can you can see the techniques in use. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I bet it was a cool set to visit for sure. Sure. Uh, the sets were usually speaking of sets were um, there were a couple of ways they could do it. They're either Muppet sized when there was only Muppets involved, mm-hmm. which would be scaled down obviously, or when um, obviously you know the Muppet Show was famous for having celebrity guests each week. When humans interacted, and uh, as they do on Sesame Street too, they would have kind of a mix. Some things would be human size, and then they would do it's a technique called forced perspective when they would make like a door, you know, seven eighths the size of a real door in mm-hmm. the background to make it look like it's really far away, right? Or just to bring everything, you know, to where it all matches up. Fantastic. Pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. What's the quote from Carol Burnett? Because uh, the article talked about, you know, humans interacting with Muppets and what's it like to act with, you know, poly or uh, polyphone. She said, she said something like when you're standing next to Kermit and interacting with him, you totally believe him. Right. And, and she, she was on the Muppet show a lot, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. And the other cool thing was they said that uh, between takes that they said the puppets would often just kind of chit chat with the actors. Right. Yeah. Like making small talk. Yeah. Just totally buy into it. Yeah. I, I love it, man. That would have been an awesome show to do. Yeah, it was a good time for it, too. And, Chuck, if you notice, there's um, a lot of – there's so much going on on The Muppet Show. Yeah. Uh, they they really nailed the, the realism in part because there were so many Muppets going around. Yeah, and the big scenes. Right. And then you have, like, the stars, clearly, like Miss Piggy, Kermit, sure. uh, Swedish Chef, Bunsen Beaker, all them. Um, but then you also have some Muppets who you just – like, you, you – don't really recognize the background extras, basically. Right, and and there's actually a name for these Muppets. They they create blank slate Muppets, uh-huh. and then you know depending on what they need, they have all sorts of costumes, eyebrows, yeah, eyes, hair. noses, all that stuff that they can just switch out real quick. Pretty cool. And what do they call them? Uh, well, there's a couple of names that originally they were called uh, anything Muppets, but the one I like, they were called Whatnots. Yeah. I love that. I knew you'd like Whatnots over anything Muppets. Well, who wouldn't? Yeah. The Whatnots. That'd be a good band name. Uh, so yeah, they were basically the background extra of the Muppet Show, and they would just interchange these uh, these guys and girls. Yeah, I guess I guess they were uh, gender specific. Sure, sure. Yeah, Miss Piggy actually had her own costume designer or her own real human costume right. designer for the Muppet Show. One of the few, well, not few, but one of the one of the Muppets that wore clothes. A lot of them were uh, in the buff. Yeah, Kermit. Kermit was, well, Kermit actually he wore his trench coat sometimes. Well, when he was on Sesame Street, he was the roving reporter, where he had the trench coat and mm-hmm. the hat and everything, which was pretty awesome. I love the idea of a frog reporter. Yeah. But then on the Muppet Show, his character was the uh, kind of the lead uh, producer of the show. That was kind of the the idea of the right. show. That leads me to the Thirty Rock thing that I was going to tell you about. Okay. The television on. show Thirty Rock. There was uh, there's a thing on the internet. Someone did on a blog, I think, where they linked the Muppet Show to Thirty Rock and how they were basically the same show. And Liz Lemon was Kermit trying to pull this show together amid the craziness. And oh, yeah. Jane Krakowski was Miss Piggy. <laughs> and I can't remember the other characters, but they kind of tied each one to the other. And the only one who they couldn't get a representation of was uh, the Alec Baldwin character, which huh. I thought was pretty interesting. Maybe he would be Carol Burnett. Yeah, maybe so. Or I think they said he could have been both uh, Waldorf and Statler. Gotcha. Something like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Chuck, the uh, I guess that's kind of uh, emblematic of, the Muppets, right? The Muppet Show produced a bunch of spinoffs. First of all, you've got the three movies, right? Yeah. You've got uh, the Muppet Movie, the Muppets Take Manhattan, and the Great Muppet Caper. All three of them, excellent, excellent films. And apparently there's uh, uh, Seth Rogen and Jason Segel, the actors from uh, Knocked Up, were trying to make another Muppet movie. And I don't really? know, if, yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but they were kind of in talks with the Henson people to write a script and make another Muppet movie. There's a, did you ever watch uh, Fraggle Rock? 
did I watch Fraggle Rock? I didn't actually. Dude, Fraggle Rock was on when I was 11, 12, and 13 on HBO. So you did Right when Fraggle I first Rock. got HBO. Will you just answer the question? So, yes, I lived and breathed Fraggle Rock. Okay. I All lived right. down well, in Fraggle Chuck, Rock. Chuck, you will be happy to know, or possibly dismayed, that there is a Fraggle Rock movie that's supposed to have already come out. That yes. hasn't yet, but I imagine it's coming down the pike. It is. Time. I looked it up today, and uh, right now they have the date listed as 2011. Good God. So we'll see. Okay. And uh, Fraggle Rock's not the only one. Did you ever watch Muppet Babies? I did not. That was after my time. That was right in my time. And actually, embarrassingly, maybe slightly after, but I still watched okay. it. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, that was a really, really good cartoon. Barbara Billingsley played the nanny whose face you never saw. Oh, really? Yeah, they used to have some great adventures. I didn't know that. that. they took me along on. And then my favorite uh, was Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Have you seen that? Oh, man. Are you joking? How old are you? <laughs> It came out in 1977. I was six years old. I was one. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Have you seen it, Jerry? No. Jerry hasn't seen it. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is one of the best Christmas specials ever in the history of Christmas specials. I'll check it out. It was awesome. Okay. The uh, the Riverbottom Nightmare Band was... Uh, there, were, there were two bands. There was Emmett Otter, clearly, with his jug band, mm-hmm. who were these little nice otters that played you know, country jug music. Right. And then there was the Evil Faction, which was the Riverbottom Nightmare Band. Nice. And they did uh, this like hard rock heavy metal stuff. And they had a snake Muppet that was swimming around in a tank. And it was awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Really, really good. I will check that out. I'll add that to A Christmas Story and It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, you totally should. Okay. Well, that's uh, pretty much Muppets. They're still going on. As we mentioned, Brian Henson's doing the uh, Puppet Up Uncensored improv show. Yeah. Uh, I think you can catch him at uh, Comic-Con in San Diego, Australia. TBS had some stuff. I'm pretty sure if you type in Puppet Up on the Internet, it'll bring up some stuff for you. There was a Broadway show. There is a Broadway show called Avenue Q. Q. It's like a... um, a revision of Sesame Street, but sort for of adults, a little more drama. Little yeah, they more. had to work it out with the Henson Company to get approval. And um, they won a Tony in 2004 for Best Musical. Yeah, yeah. So, good move there. Yeah. And uh, I want to just recommend if anyone visits Los Angeles ever or lives in Los Angeles, if you live there, you know about it. But the Jim Henson Company is located at the corner of uh, La Brea and Sunset, and it was the original Charlie Chaplin Studios. So. It's this really cool old um, kind of English Tudor uh, studio, but it's, it's small. It's not like some big studio. It's right, right in the middle of Hollywood, so it's not very big. But um, you drive by there now, and it's got a big archway right when you drive in. And on top, there's like an eight-foot-tall Kermit dressed as uh, the Charlie Chaplin Little Tramp character with the top hat and cane and everything. Cool. It's really cool. And the Hitler mustache? <laughs> yeah, and the Hitler mustache. Huh. No, I don't think he has the mustache, actually. So, Chuck, I want to leave everybody with a really chilling thought. Imagine Jim Henson, back in 1955, had decided to go into accounting, and this world was a world without Muppets. Are you trying to make me cry? Isn't that a weird are thought? You, are you trying Imagine to make me there, punch there you are in the no neck? Muppets. It really uh, kind of barrels it into perspective. Yeah. A, we should write a book called A World Without Muppets. It, like uh, some sort of it's alternate reality future, yeah. fiction. Yeah. It'd be awful. It's nothing but war. So thank you, Jim Henson, who... Everyone knows, uh, sadly, in 1990, passed away of uh, a, a kind of pneumonia. They said it wasn't actually pneumonia, but it was a, it was a bacterial inf- infection that shut his organs down, basically. He complained of flu-like symptoms to his wife, or his ex-wife, who he was still close with. I think they were separated at the time. And um, went to the hospital, and 20 hours later, died. Yeah. It was very, very sad. Yep. 
but his children continued that tradition, and uh, his son does not actually do the voice of Kermit, as many people thought. His son, Brian, a lot of people thought that he took over for Kermit. It was actually me. <laughs> I took over for Kermit. Yes, you did. That's my side gig. Yeah. So that's Muppets. I could go on for hours. I know you could. I've got to stop you right here. We're going to press stop on the stopwatch, okay? Okay. Chuck, uh, are we doing any listener mail today? No, Josh. No listener mail. Because okay. this is a special episode. We want to uh, play it out with a little treat for the fans, a little snippet from uh, a song we all know and love. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, take it away. Thanks for coming, everybody. On this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?